welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are so grateful to have Zach Rowe join us on the Defender podcast, and we're going to get to hear about his personal connection to adoption, as well as the partnership that his church, Gateway, uh, which is based in Dallas, Texas, maintains with Lifeline. Not only does Lifeline desire to see children placed in Christ-centered families, we help churches join God's call to defend vulnerable children and families. Our church partners support Lifeline financially, as well as engage practically in ministry through foster care, family restoration, mentoring, global orphan care, and so much more. We have seen life transformation happen when vulnerable families are connected to the support and the grace of a local church. And so we invite you to join this work God is doing through these relationships. You can double your impact now through a generous gift through our Change One Life campaign, which is going now through the end of the year, where we are trying to raise $2.9 million before the end of the year in order to change one life at a time through 2023 and into 2024. You can give today at lifelinechild.org backslash change dash one dash life. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash change dash one dash life or always see our show notes for a direct link. As we said, and before we bring in the venerable Dr. Rick, Zach Rowe is a worship pastor at Gateway Church's Justin Campus. Um, his wife is, is Kinsey, and Gateway is the primary worship expression for the Dallas-Fort Worth-based Gateway Church, and it's one of the largest and most influential churches in North America. Leading less than 200 people in its infancy, the worship team now ministers to over 40,000 congressional congregational attendees across multiple campuses and thousands more online each week, capturing the sound and songs of the local church. As a collective of multi-generational and diverse worship leaders, musicians, and songwriters, Gateway Worship is committed to leading the church body into a place of intimate worship and an understanding of the power of the Word of God expressed through music. So the first time that I came face to face with Zach and just the way that the Lord is using him to draw people to the throne of God was actually October of last year in 2023. Uh, my family and I were at the the main campus there at Gateway for their Orphan Sunday. And first and foremost, the worship was just incredible that Gateway Worship had. I'll even tell you, it was so incredible that my kids still will watch the YouTube uh, recording of that service just to listen to the worship over and over. Uh, but there was a moment even on that Saturday night. So Gateway does, uh, at least at the main campuses, they have the four main uh, services. And, uh, you know, that first night, there's this guy that comes forward during uh, one of the songs. He finishes it out with uh, Agnes Day, uh, Day Eve by, by Michael W. Smith. And then he sings this song, Abba. And what I later would find out is it hadn't even been released. Uh, it was a basically a new song. And it just really touched my heart. And so the next morning I get up, we attend the three services that morning at, at Gateway. And one of the things that I was just impressed by is I know a lot of churches, especially if you're doing those services over and over and over with their worship, 
Um, it gets it gets a little rote. You know, you kind of have what you're going to do. You ha- have one it down. I think what impressed me the most is legitimately all four of those services were unique. Um, they they it was the same songs, but it was a completely different um, just worship experience before the Lord. And and it was the third service on that that Sunday morning. And I don't even know if it was planned, but Zach kind of starts off Abba by giving his personal testimony and. I've told him since I knew at that moment, like I've got to meet this guy and I want, (laughs) I want to do stuff with him and I want him to do stuff for us. And so it's a privilege uh, just to have Zach Rowe on the podcast. And again, if you've never heard of gateway worship or gateway church, it's definitely something uh, to look into. But, but now as everyone's been looking forward to is the time when I'm quiet and the silver hair, silver tongue one, the venerable Dr. Rick comes on and postulates about all things. Uh, Dr. Rick, I know you're as big of a Zachary fan as I am. Yeah. So, you know, my, my experience uh, with Zach started out with you coming back from uh, your time at gateway going, uh, man, I met this dude and like this worship experience was incredible. And, you know, all the stuff that you said. And, and so my, um, you know, my anticipation was pretty high. We uh, we got together last February for a gathering with some of our friends and partners, and uh, Zach and his wife Kenzie got to come and be with us and let worship for us, and that was a just an amazing experience. We might get into talking a little bit about that, but um, you know what um, what I what I was struck by in the midst of that, I um, I love Zach. I love his love his giftedness. I love what the Lord has cut him out to do. Uh, but genuinely, uh, he's he's a great musician. He's a better dude, and uh, and was just we just had so much fun uh, getting to know him and Kenzie, and you know delving into their lives and story. And so um, we he's been patiently sitting here while we've been talking about him, um, and so we're just like laying it on. But it's because we love him. So Zach, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, I'm so honored to be here. And, you know, at the time of this recording, it's Monday morning. And can we just start every Monday morning like this? Can I just come on? You guys just <laughs> just give, give me some encouragement. Oh, my goodness, man. I don't know how to how to take all that. I, I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here with you guys. I, I'm i honored to to get to partner with you anytime that we get to do things together. I believe in, in the call of God in your life and the assignment that he's given to you. And your stewardship of what he's called you to do is really inspiring. And so I I'm grateful to get to partner with you guys and yeah i'll see you guys in about seven seven days man this has been awesome <laughs> but we're we, we didn't tell you but we're, we're kind of auditioning um the two of yeah. us to see who gets to be your hype man so um <laughs> so if if you could at the end of this we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a little little vote and see who gets to yeah. follow you around and you know, just kind of <laughs> do that for you um, i love it i love it hey man everybody 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 needs fans right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i appreciate you guys well, Zach, as we jump in, man, maybe maybe the place to start is um, just for you to tell a little bit about your story and help us to to get to know, uh, you know, just who you are. Yeah, well, I'll I'll make it short. I'll condense 32 years into five minutes or less. But uh, I was born and raised in Louisiana, so I'm a southern from from mm-hmm. a southerner from the deep south and uh 
You know, I just talked to someone on our worship team yesterday. She was born and raised in New Orleans. I was born and raised in Shreveport. And so that's Northwest Louisiana versus the extreme Southeast of Louisiana. And she doesn't claim me as Louisianian. She says that I'm, <laughs> uh, it's uh, Southern Arkansas or East, East Texas. You know, she does not, she doesn't give me my credit for Louisiana, but uh, yeah. So I was born Louisiana, bro, if you're born North of I-10, you're a Yankee. That's the way, <laughs> that's the way that works. So it's very true. She's just, she's holding it down. I tried to figure out the line, you know, I'm like, is it Alexandria? Is it Lafayette? And she's like, it's Baton Rouge. If you're north of Baton Rouge, you're not from Louisiana. I'm like, man, I, I can't even get I can't even get any credit at all. So but yes, yeah, so I was born and raised there. Um, you know, my my story was uh, pretty tumultuous when I was a, when I was a kid and uh, my mom and biological dad um, were divorced uh, by the time I turned a year old. And uh, my mom was pregnant with my younger sister at the time. And uh, we found out that my biological dad had multiple other families that he was going to uh, to visit on weekends and and kind of this as as bad as it gets, you know, as far as like um, those kind of things to find out about about your father. And so my mom at that time put me with my grandparents. And uh, at that time, she had finally uh, given birth to my younger sister. And so she chased after my biological dad for uh, a little, a little while there, you know, a year or two trying to get him to come back and, uh, to no avail. But I went with my grandparents and, uh, my grandparents throughout my story, Lynn and Gloria Rowe to, to the glory of God get so much, you know, credit for, uh, the man that, you know, the Lord has, has shaped me into today. They, they were the constant. They are the constant. They're both, um, so grateful that they're both still here with us. And, uh, and and they have sacrificed so much to give me um, a shot, you know, to in, in life. And I know that so many people that have my a similar story like mine don't have those rocks in their life. And we need those people, these these pillars in families to say, you know what, if nobody else will go after this little baby that needs someone, um, I'll do it. And that's what my grandparents did for me. And they brought me in and. Um, my mom eventually got remarried to another man about, you know, four or five years later. So I moved back in with my mom and stepdad and my younger sister for a while. And we lived together for about three years. And then my mom was diagnosed with cancer and uh, in uh, 1999. So uh, amidst all the fears of Y2K, she also had to deal with uh, <laughs> with uh, cancer and, and, and fighting that. So she fought it for about a year. But on December 12th of 2000, she passed away. And uh, so then it was just me and my stepdad and my younger sister for a season, about a year and a half. Um, funny story here that I like to share kind of to lighten the mood a little bit, too. But there's a there's a pizza spot in Louisiana called Johnny's Pizza. If you're ever in Louisiana, you got to try Johnny's Pizza. My favorite is a sweep the kitchen. It's basically an, an, a supreme pizza. And, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, sweep the kitchen is actually kind of nasty if you think about it. It's like, we're just going to sweep the kitchen up. Whatever we find, we're going to put on this pizza. But man, it works for Johnny's Pizza. It's so good. And uh, anyway, long story short, they were doing a sweepstakes at Johnny's Pizza. Free pizza for a year. If you sign up, it's a raffle. And so we found out after my mom had passed away that at some point during, you know, going in and out of the hospital, uh, she had grabbed one of those little coupons and signed up and and dropped her name in the hat for free pizza for a year. And after she passed away, we got a call. My, my stepdad got a call uh, that we had won the sweepstakes free pizza for a year. And so uh, we got to eat pizza 
almost every night. <laughs> it was great for a year. My, it was gracious, you know, uh, to my stepdad, he didn't have to figure out what we we're going to do for dinner. And, uh, but it was kind of her way of a way that the Lord showed us like she's still, you know, still a part of our lives in a, in a special way. So about a year and a half after she passed, uh, my stepdad remarried to my stepmom and we tried to blend the families and we tried to, you know, do that. And and unfortunately, you know, things didn't go that way. And um, we ended up having a family meeting one night and my stepdad uh, said, you know, hey, we're our family's going in a different direction and you two are not going to come with us talking to me and my younger sister. And so from that night forward, we went back with my grandparents. Again, my grandparents stood there with open arms to take us in and, and welcome us. And so they got custody of us at that time. And um, I should have shared that whenever my mom and stepdad remarried or when my mom and stepdad married, my stepdad adopted my younger sister and I uh, changed our names. So my fun fact, when I'm going around to tell people, you know, we're doing those introductions in big circles, is like, tell us your name and tell us one thing that, you know, an interesting thing about you. My interesting thing is always I've had three last names in my life. <laughs> I was born with a biological last name and then my stepdad adopted my sister and I changed our last name. And then whenever I turned 18, I was able to take on my grandparents name, the 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 rock of my of my life, you know, as far as my family goes. And I just was very aware when I turned 18, you know, if I ever have sons, they're going to carry on a legacy. And I want them, you know, to carry on this legacy of these people who who were so sacrificial in their love for me and so willing to take me and my sister in when it was not convenient for them. And when they had every reason to say, we've already done this, you know, twice <laughs> raising children, uh, but they saw a need and they stepped into it and they they did that for us. And I, I will never be able to on this side of heaven tell them how grateful I am for that and for their example to have us in church. I wouldn't have even gone to church, you know, like just the little things and the big things. But um, one of my favorite scriptures says that God sets the lonely in families. Mm. And I have lived that in my life of having a need. I was a child. I had no way to to get myself out of the situation that I was in. But God put it on the heart of these amazing adults just, that just so happened to be my grandparents. And they took us in. And uh, and so, yeah, that started a, a longer story that we don't have to get into. When I turned 18, I got an internship um, because of a talent show that I did at our high school. I sang and I'd never sang in front of anyone. Didn't really know I could sing. I have one great grandfather who's a fiddle player. That's the extent of the musical heritage that I come from. And uh, but I just sang in front of these people, not not really knowing why I was even doing that as a senior in high school. But God used that as an as a way to open the door for me to join our chapel worship team and then to be a part of ministry and to see that he could use all this pain that I had gone through in my childhood for his glory, that he would anoint me because of my brokenness and because I had surrendered to him in the midst of all that and that he would make that pain have a purpose, you know, and that he would make it matter. And so I'm as of this last May of 2023, um, 16 years in full-time ministry of just following after the Lord and uh, since I was 17 years old. So hopefully all that math works out, 32, 17, 16. I don't <laughs> know if that works out or not, but uh, 15 or 16 years now uh, of seeing the Lord move and it's been an incredible ride. So, Brother, you know, one of the things I'm actually going right now in my Bible reading through the book of Hosea 
And, uh, you know, for, for those who might not be as familiar, you know, obviously Jose is a prophet and, you know, the Lord asked him to do two things, uh, you know, tongue in cheek, both are equally as hard. He has to marry a woman whose name is Gomer. Like that's just not a great name. Uh, but the second is the fact that Gomer is a, is a prostitute and, um, she, is not with him and and she goes out into the city and yet the lord tells hosea hey show an example of my love by continuing to pursue gomer and i bro i I think one of the hardest things about family and difficulties like that is with family you feel like those are the people that intimately know you they know the good things and know the bad things and can't imagine being sat down and being told hey you're not a part of our family going forward and the rejection that that is but but to know that your grandparents really were being that Hosea, um, they were being that example of Christ in your life. And to know that with Christ, it doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what we bring to the table as the door opens and we're the bride of Christ ready to come down the aisle, of the bridegroom, not only does the bridegroom look excited, knowing everything about us, all of our pain points, all of our failures, all of our trappings. He doesn't just get excited about the doors opening and seeing his bride. He actually runs towards his bride. And that is the, the picture of spiritual adoption that, that exactly what you said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Bro, I'd, I'd love to know just how even your story through, you know, familial adoption and and having grandparents that stood for you not just once but twice, how that has really just impacted the way that, that you see your adoption in Christ. Yeah, well, man, that's such a that's such a good question. And that is exactly the picture you know every time i read through hosea i'm reminded that you know there's a there's an amazing song by brooke frazier uh that's her artist name her name now is brooke lidget wood um and uh she has a song called hosea's wife and she essentially says we are all hosea's wife you know mm-hmm. as as the lord pursues us in his love we continually turn away to go to the to these sinful practices and habits that we the deepest part of us don't want to return to you know but we just we struggle with that on this side of heaven and God in his infinite love and grace keeps on pursuing after us. And I'm just so grateful for that. And you're right. My grandparents did that for me as well. So I have that familial, um, adoption story. My wife actually just really quickly, she, her, her mom was adopted through the foster care system in Louisiana. And, um, and so, uh, my wife's grandmother and grandfather took in, I don't know how many children over the years. Um, yeah, I want to say more than 10 children through the years of just bringing them in and, and multiples of those were able to return to their, to their families. And, and so they just needed a safe place. And, and my wife's grandparents offered them that for that season, but a couple of them were actually adopted into, uh, into their family. And so my, my mother-in-law is one of those. And so, yeah, the adoption story on both ends of our family, you know, is uh, is so, so just it's it's so prevalent. It's so there. It's so meaningful to us. It's definitely shaped, you know, um, my viewpoint of the father and of his love for me and of what he's called me to do now. You know, um, fast forwarding a little bit, we have four children and we have our our fifth on the way which is news to you guys since we saw you in February. Uh, and in fact, it was in February that God started to talk to us about the fact that our family wasn't, 
wasn't done, you know, and I keep getting more nervous every time the Lord tells me our family's not done because it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. We've got five, five children and, and still that heart for adoption. So I'm like, who knows? We're going to have to buy a school bus for our personal family at some point, but we'll, we'll just continue to do that and follow the Lord. But yeah, I I'm reminded, you know, whenever I think about the fact that as a child, I could not do anything to get myself out of that situation. And my grandparents stepped in to follow the call of the Lord. And when I was stuck in my sin, you know, the Bible says that before we even called on the Lord, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us to take away our sin and to make payments so that we would have a way to God. He is this bridge that that is in the gap between our sinful state and being right with God. Jesus did that for us and we did not do anything to earn it. We literally weren't even alive yet. And, and he knew that we would need a savior and he made a way for us. And so it's the spirit, you know, it's by the spirit of God. My favorite scripture about adoption is Romans 8, uh, 12 through 17. And it talks, you know, it'd be fam- very familiar to you guys. But that song that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Herbie Abba, it, it came out of this passage of scripture. We got to write it with our friend Leland Mooring who both of his children uh, have come into his family through the adoption process. And it's just such a beautiful, we got to sit down together and just started talking about that and how our hearts were just so knit together in this picture of adoption. And, and then it always goes to, yes, there's this picture of adoption in the natural, but really it's just this example of what God has done for us in the spirit and how, when we realize that it causes us to step into action. When we realize I have been adopted, And God has now put a mantle on me to go out and receive. It says in, uh, in, in, I'm trying to look for the scripture now, James, James 127, that true religion is pure and undefiled before the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to go after those who are in need, you know? So we've been adopted and now we're called to go out and be a part of this process. And, um, but back to Romans eight, I'll just read it really quickly because I love it so much. It says, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. People read that scripture and they stop a lot of times after the, you know, we cry, Abba, Father. But it, it talks about the cost of stepping into adoption and that next that next verse about we're going to suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. And so for my grandparents to step into that season to take us in, that was costly for them in a lot of different ways, you know. Um, in energy, in, in emotional expense, in financial expense, in restarting their life and their, their you know, 10-year plan uh, is not, you know, buying another boat and sailing off on the lake. It was like, well, I guess we're going to be in middle school, <laughs> like uh, auditoriums again, you know, and it's not what we thought we would be. But again, the, the compassion of the father moved on their heart and they answered that call. And, and I am where I am today because they did that, you know. You know, Zach, um, I, you've kind of, man, you've kind of radically changed my worldview a little bit. I want you to know, um, well, as a, as a guy who was a former youth pastor, 
um, you've caused me to see high school talent shows in a completely different light. Um, I, you know, because, because I, and, and really it just, it's evidence that, that God can use anything. Right. And I mean, yeah. anything, yeah. uh, when, but, but, you know, you alluded to a little bit earlier, seriously, um, about the fact that, um, that through kind of an unexpected, unexpected twist, God, um, you know, took this talent. Uh, that he had given you and he's fanned it into flame and he's he's used it for his glory and so I, you know I'd, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about the kind of the journey of development of how do you go how do you go from a high school talent show to to leading worship in a church and and bringing people before the throne of God on a weekly basis. Um, like, how did that happen? And and just while you're doing that, kind of give the folks that are listening to the podcast a little bit of a, an understanding of what it is that God's called you into doing and and how how you serve today. Yeah, well, I I appreciate the weightiness that we now put on high school talent shows. You know, from now on, it's <laughs> it's going to determine the trajectory of everyone's life that's in it, you know. Um, but, you know, for me, that actually was the case in such a funny, interesting way. I, I entered that talent show. Um, I was a part of, you know, uh, my grandparents uh, were very gracious and they put me into a private high school. I went to public school for my elementary and middle school. And then halfway through my freshman year, they put me into this uh, private high school um, because they, they just wanted me to be into a safe place. They had a Bible program. Again, they were trying to, in every way they could, point me to the Lord in, in all of this. And I just remember my grandmother when I was growing up, you know, when my mom passed away, which was her daughter, you know, she was dealing with the death of her daughter and she looked at her grandson and said, uh, she's still to this day, she's the only person in the world, my grandmother and grandfather that call me Zachary, the only person in the world. <laughs> but uh, so, so she looked at me at that time and she said, Zachary, if you will trust God, I'm telling you, he will make this matter. He will, he will take this pain and give you purpose. And if you trust God, there's nothing that he can't use and work for good in your life. I know that it's been hard, but God's going to work this for good. And so I credit my grandmother and I credit the Lord that he gave me a gift of faith in that moment to believe that it wasn't anything that I did. I just believed her. You know, I just felt like, you know what? I, I believe you that God will use this. And so I was wrestling with that as a senior in high school. I was wrestling. I feel like as a senior in high school, it's the first time, at least in my life, that you start to really think about legacy. You're taking a step out of one thing into kind of into the big, scary world. And you're like, what am I going to do with my life? And and have I really done anything up to this point? Yeah, my my face is on the wall for the the wall of fame for our very small 1A high school in Louisiana for like making it to state in pole vaulting, which was essentially just if you're breathing and you can hold this pole, you can go to state, you know, it's essentially. So I was up there for that. And and I was like looking at my face on this wall and I was going like, is this it? Is this my legacy? Is this what I'm doing? Like, is this what all this, you know, was for? And and so I just took that to the Lord and I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I just felt like you know, into this talent show. And I, that is such a random turn. I realize that guys, you, I know our listeners can't, can't see your eyebrows shoot up and go like, what, you know, but I, that is, it's a very interesting turn. And it was confusing to me as well, but I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So there was music had always been 
kind of my place of solace, my place of going to, you know, artists that were expressing these things, you know, dealing with their own pain in their own life. And God had used music in so many different crucial points in my life to help me process and get and work through pain and work through, you know, grief and, and mourning and emotions and also times of joy, you know, but, um, so I, I returned back to that place and, and into the talent show sang this song, you know, I don't know if talent shows have winners. I definitely wasn't one at, at my talent show. I, they didn't even acknowledge that I had sent that I had sang after I, after I sang the song, you know, it was just like, okay, next. You know? And, uh, but for me, it was this, this pivotal moment and the chapel band approached me after the, after, uh, the talent show. And they said, Hey, would you come sing with us on next Tuesday at our chapel? And so for me, for the last 15 or 16 years, that's really been the picture of what it's looked like to follow the Lord. It's just do the thing that you hear him say right now, be faithful to do that. And then God will open a door and you take it one step at a time. You know, if I would have gotten caught up and 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 known at that point, I'm going to move across the country two times to the East Coast and then back over to DFW. And I'm going to have a, a wife with four children and one on the way. So uh, five children, I, I would that would have overwhelmed me, you know, and I would say, how am I going to get there? But just following the Lord one step at a time, you know, um, has been that process for me. And then translating, you know, the difference, this is probably a deeper conversation, but translating the difference in singing and leading worship, you know, um, it's a different thing. Uh, God gave us the ability to sing for the purpose of leading worship. You know, he gave us all the ability to worship. And we all are worshiping something in our life. We're either worshiping the security that our financial bank uh, statements give us, or we're worshiping, you know, um, different things in our life, some some form of status, some form of title, some form of a dream or accomplishment, you know. Um, some of us are just kind of wallowing in things, but but we're all worshiping all the time. And so I just made a commitment that the Lord had saved me and rescued me out of so many things, and I was gonna give my life to him. Uh, and he's been so gracious to, to help me express things in song and, and through, you know, written word and lyrics to, to just, um, give language to people whenever we gather, you know, of what God's done for us. And so uh, it, it hasn't been just worshiping or worship leading, you know, over the years I've, I've been a youth pastor, I've been a children's pastor, I've, uh, done all sorts of things in between, you know, um, really my life, what I've realized is I'm not a singer. I'm not a worship leader. God's called me to be a priest in his house. And he's called each of us, he, you know, he's, he's called us to royal nation and a holy priesthood, a holy nation, royal priesthood. I always get those mixed up. Dr. Rick can sort me out after the podcast. Uh, but that's what he's called each of us to do. When we believe in Jesus, he's called us to be a part of something that's greater than whatever individual pain or whatever individual story we've been a part of. We're, we're now a part of his story. We're now a part of the narrative that he's weaving through time, through the ages of restoration and redemption of calling those who were in darkness into his marvelous light in each way that we're supposed to do it. And so some days it's leading worship for me. Some days it's preaching a sermon to some students or some kids. Some days it's reenacting a, a biblical story, you know, wearing a burlap sack and a long wig to tell them about Moses. You know, it's, it's, it can be anything all the time, but uh, it's all for the purpose of pointing people back to the one that saved me. You know, Zach, being a part of the leadership team there at Gateway, I know we're just grateful for 
the heart that Gateway has for the vulnerable. Um, I'd love to transition kind of into what Gateway is doing and 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 how has how what is their vision? What is the vision of the church at Gateway to step in and really care for the vulnerable? And and what are some ways that you've seen pastors and lay people really take hold of that and get engaged? Yeah, well, honestly, so much of that was there was a heart in our leadership and it really stems out of that passage in James, James 127, that we don't want to be a church, you know, this religious organization uh, by labels, you know, outward facing that actually isn't doing the things that God said are true religion or are pure and undefiled religion. And that is to to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And to me, that whole that that second part of that scripture, the first part's more self-explanatory, but keeping ourselves unstained from the world. I was thinking about this and really to me that that means that we are rejecting that self-centered, self-focused value that is so prevalent in culture and the rhythms that, you know, um, we just need to gather more things for ourselves and be very self-focused and amass so many things for ourselves. But really, you know, pure religion, true religion is to be outward focused, to say, how can I serve the people that are in need? And so we had that heart. And obviously in Matthew 22, Jesus talks about the greatest among us would be the, the chief servant. And so the leadership team of Gateway had that heart, but we really didn't have, we wanted to partner with someone who was doing it well. And so that was our our partnership with Lifeline was such a, a godsend because you guys are doing this so well. And so our heart at Gateway is not to start up a, a you know, a, another a different organization to compete and get in the way, but to say, hey, who is God uh, highlighting and who is God favoring in this season? How can we get behind them? And Lifeline was just like a no brainer whenever we were able to partner with you guys in that way. And so, so much of what God's called Gateway to do in this area is, is through you guys and through the ministry that you're doing. And so I guess to answer your question, you know, um, first of all, I, I would just point people to our, our website, gatewaypeople.com uh, slash family. That's kind of our homepage for um, all things adoption and foster in the ministry at Gateway. I remember whenever you and your team came and and shared with us, with our with some of our campus staff and just told us the statistics in Texas about the need and you know, our leadership team was aware of it, but I think that most of our staff and then, you know, definitely our, the lay people that come to the church maybe weren't even aware of the intense and great need, um, even just in our state. And the fact that it would be easy for us to get consumed in our lives and overlook, you know, to get busy and not to pay attention to that, that great need, but over 28,000 children in the foster care system in Texas and almost 6,000 children in the foster care system, just in DFW, in the Metroplex where we live, you know? Um, and in all of that, there's 900, not even 1000 foster homes. So it's like the, the need is great and there is an opportunity for us to step in. Um, and so I guess in the micro, if we wanted to, you know, zoom in all the way, what is Gateway doing for the individual families? Um, th there's a lot of different ways that we do that. We have um, adoption and foster support groups that we established after our partnership with Lifeline, where we have uh, support groups for families who want to step into this. And it's just a safe place for them to connect and build relationship and 
encourage one another. We have rap teams, W-R-A-P. Uh, it's not like, you know, Snoop Dogg rap groups. I, I wish that sounds fun too, but maybe that's an additional group we can start. But this one is a, a rap W-R-A-P. And really the heart of that is just to wrap around those, those support families and uh, and provide meals and respite care and help with groceries and errands and, and regular prayer covering, you know, and then obviously our ministry partnerships. But, you know, it's funny, again, at the time of this recording, this weekend coming up is, is our annual adoption weekend across all 10 of our campuses at Gateway, nine here in the Metroplex, and then one in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And so we're going to be putting it in front of our people again this weekend to just say, hey, let's not forget there's a great need and God's called us to be a part of it. And here are all the ways that you uh, can be a part to step in to answer that call. And we have seen an exponentially great response to uh, just putting that opportunity in front of people and watching the Holy Spirit of God move on their heart, we were almost overwhelmed with the response of people coming and saying, I want to be a part. How can I be a part? We were like, okay, we've got to have a great structure for this and, and, you know, make sure we're good stewards with these people coming forward. But it's been an amazing response. And, and again, credit to you guys for giving us the language and, and, and the, the structures to help point people in the right direction. Well, Zach, one of the one of the things that we know about Gateway and and about who you know you guys are as a church is that you're you're investing in planting and in supporting other churches and and so this is not just about kind of Gateway proper, but it's it's about um, really extending uh, the the things that you believe in and, and the things that the New Testament teaches about the church uh, to. You know to a much greater network of churches and and so you know maybe as we as we kind of run to the end today and uh and and kind of close things down what what encouragement would you give um to other churches pastors lay leaders that are that are sitting out there that are listening today about how to lead their congregation to to follow the call of james 127 to care for the vulnerable in jesus name but but to do that in a way that we elevate the gospel and and that we point people to um you know life that can can only be found in jesus so what's your what's your advice well i you know i was looking at that scripture that you referenced again james 127 and earlier i think i was referencing it i wrote it down in esv that's what i do my bible reading in my daily reading is uh, in esv but i looked at it in in niv and it says it a little bit differently. It says religion that our father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And, you know, religion that our father accepts implies that that there are forms of religion that we can do thinking that they'll be accepted, you know. But at the end of the day, God's God doesn't want those or receive those. And that's a sobering thought as a pastor or leader of a ministry that we can get busy by doing programs and by doing things, but they're actually not what God called us to do. And, and this to me, this this um, this call in James 127 is like a returning back to that core thing that God has asked us to do through his son, Jesus, and for the glory of Jesus in the world. And by the spirit of God, that's the only way we're able to do it. Um, but he's told us, he told us how he wants us to represent him and represent his kingdom. 
in this world, you know? And so this is a call that we're all in on. Uh, we're all in on this together. And um, I guess the core of the issue is really, we can talk about the practicals of, you know, adoption and fostering and, and all those things, but as a, as a natural, as an outward earthly representation, but really if we get back to that spiritual principle that we were all lost in our sin, we were all born into this sinful state and God came, he was the, he established the example of, of adoption, of bringing us in when we were undeserving. And when we just needed a place, he came after us. We were eternally destitute and he came for us and he gave us a hope and a future. Um, I feel like when we know that, then we understand that we've got brothers and sisters in need and it's our God given call to participate, you know, in bringing them into the family that they're called to be in, which is yes, earthly families, but ultimately it's the family of God that we're all in and to make a way for, for those. So I would say to a pastor, to a minister, um, that this is, this is a vital call of the church in this age. And as we see the breaking down of the family unit, and as we see so many more opportunities um, for children to get left by the wayside and for families to be broken and not be supported, it is the call of the church in this time to step up and to help that family unit be strengthened and to raise up the arms of the people who are getting weak and to support them with training that they might not have gotten for family members and they were children. It's, this is a legacy and, and correcting a course correction that's going to have generational impact. And so, uh, it's a very important, you know, call that we're called to be a part of, but it's not a heavy thing because the spirit of God does the work. All we have to do is create an opportunity for people to meet with God and for the Lord to speak to that person and move on their heart. And then God does a supernatural thing that has effect now and for all the legacy that will follow after in that family's life. Well, Zach, brother, that we are so grateful for you and for Gateway and for just the partnership that uh, that there is in the body of Christ coming together. And thank you for just the openness to share your story. Um, both yours and a little bit of Kinsey's as well. And we're thankful for you, brother, and the way the Lord is using you. And again, I would just encourage anyone that hasn't uh, been a part or seen or experienced Gateway Worship to definitely look that up. And as well, if you're in the DFW area or at any one of their campuses uh, to look them up as well. We're grateful to partner with Gateway, but more importantly, what we realize when we work with the body of Christ is the body of Christ is made up of individual members. And so we're grateful for our brother, Zach, and Lord willing, Dr. Rick and I will be able to carry his bags one day. So thanks for joining us for the Defender podcast. And again, check us out next week as we look to help you defend the fatherless and ultimately lead them to the gospel of Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? 
please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.